Hi everyone, welcome back to another Beef and Lamb New Zealand Seen and Heard podcast. And this one, I'm not sure how long it'll be, it may be a shorter one, it may be reasonably long, but it's an update to one we did back in July 2018 on catch crops, when we interviewed Brendan Malcolm, soil and crop scientist at Plant and Food. Brendan's back with us today and he's brought along his expert in growing the crops, Shane Maley, who's a research associate at Plant and Food. So, look, welcome along, gentlemen, and... Um, as I say, in the link to this podcast, we'll put the, or in the blurb for this podcast, we'll put the link to the last podcast we did um, on catch crops, which has got a lot of the detail around why they work, how they work, the importance of them. But I'm not sure who wants to start off with, um, I guess, the elevator pitch in a, in a couple of sentences or a couple of words. What's the, why do we grow catch crops? What's the point? Yeah, okay, Aaron. You know, I'll say thanks for having us. Um, yeah, so what we're trying to do here with catch crops is really to reduce the amount of leaching that occurs from uh, winter forage grazing. So when I say winter forage grazing, we're really talking about, say, uh, like fodder beet and, and kale. Um, we know that there's potentially high leaching losses uh, from those crops. So obviously they're, they're big crops, um, lots of, of animals. Um, yeah, it takes it takes a lot of animals to to graze those crops, and then we are left with bare soil um, and a lot of uh, urine that is uh, deposited on that bare soil. And so those those conditions can remain for for quite some months. And therefore, what we're trying to do here is really come in with a, a catch crop, um, try and get that that growing early to to take up nitrogen and reduce the amount of leaching. So I guess just quickly. Um, the key points really are here to get the crop in the ground as early as possible. So that often means uh, sowing the crop in the middle of winter. We need to be choosing um, a crop that is winter active um, and the cereals, in particular oats, have been doing that for us. So they're quite a big seeded crop. They can emerge and establish under pretty cold and, and wet uh, conditions. Um, and yeah, and there's potential for some really good yields uh, for farmers with these crops. So when we take them through to green chop, um, we can get yields up, up over 10 tonne, but it really depends on the season, the soil type, and how the crop is actually being managed. So, yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, Brendan. Well, Shane, I might put you on the spot then, because um, Brendan's touted you as the, the expert in actually growing the crop. Shane, Brendan's done the research on what they do and how they do it. But um, one of the things he mentioned, attention to detail. So it's not just bunging in the, them in the ground quite early. We want to get a, a good yield, good good plant population. What's the... We'll talk about it in more detail, but uh, what's the, the keys to success with getting a good catch crop established and growing? Yeah, obviously, it, uh, we're, we're trying to grow a crop in a, in a, a time of the year where it's, it's, it's very difficult. Um, a lot of, a lot of um, thought has to go into just putting a, a crop in springtime and, and trying to get the things right. But what we're trying to do here is trying to grow a crop in the middle of winter following a paddock that's been grazed by, by dairy cows and so forth on forage crops. Uh, the issues there, obviously, to get things right is to make sure that you have a seedbed that you can actually plant a, a cereal crop in, and namely oats in our situations that we've been working with. Um, Southland, um, those issues become more relevant because of the conditions that they have down there. A few of the things that we really need to look at are, are obviously seed placement for starters. Um, you have to have good seed to soil contact. Placement of seed of, a, of three centimetres um, and no, no less than three centimetres. We have seen in some areas where farmers have gone in and, and shallow drilled these crops um, mm -hmm. and we've seen uh, crops fall over because of this right from the start. Um, you've got to remember too, this is growing at a time of the year where there's not much else around. If the seed is shallow to the surface, it, it's, it's going to be bird feed and we have seen that. So you must make sure that, that you have good cover of seed uh, when you're planting these crops. 
um, establishment in terms of plant population is, is critical. Uh, we are aiming for around 300 plants per meter squared. So um, that, that's critical to get um, a really good canopy earlier on. Uh, plant competition is very important, um, especially at this time of the year. Um, once you get that plant competition, you're getting early crop development, which is important for nitrogen uptake. And we, we see this with oats as, as, as a win-win, really. Um, other things that we need to look at is make sure that, um, obviously, we control later on. Sometimes it's not much of an issue, but it can be an issue in some places. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just things to be wary of, especially if you want a good quality feed in terms of silage if you're taking the crop with silage. And also um, taking the crop at the right time is, is critical as well. We, we are mainly looking at green chops, so that's at the booting stage. Once we, uh, we realise if you want high yielding and good quality feed, that is the optimum time. If you're looking for yield, then obviously the panicle starts to emerge. Um, yes, you're getting a high yield crop, but obviously you, see a small de- you start seeing a decline in, in, in the quality of the crop as well. So there's just small things like that that have to be, have to be looked at and managed all the way through to make sure it, it's, uh, it's suitable for the requirements of the end user. Brilliant. Well, that's what we want to dig into. But start right at the end, I guess, taking the crop at the right time. Is that just for the feed quality and yield? Or, Brendan, does that have any impact on um, the amount of nitrogen that's that's picked up, caught by the crop? So, really, it's mainly to do with other feed quality and the yield. So, most of the environmental work that the crop does is really from, from sowing right up till about the middle of October. So, And at that point, we've only got about like one and a half to, to like two tonne of dry matter per hectare. Um, but there's actually, because the nitrogen concentration is so high, there's actually quite a lot of nitrogen that's picked up in the crop. So that um, so after that point, it's kind of getting outside of the, of the leaching period, and then we start to really focus on how we manage the crop for feed and for that high high quality. Um, so like obviously we can see quite a lot of nitrogen still being uh, picked up during that time, but the risks uh-huh. to leaching are not as high. So... So really it's up until about um, the middle of spring, around the middle of October, when the crop is doing that environmental work, and then it's really about trying to maximise feed and, and, and quality yep. for the farmer. Good one. So um, I guess the key one is you know, around that establishment, Shane, you talked about the, the three centimetre depth. Is that solely because of, of bird strike or bird you know, um, attack, or are there other reasons for wanting to get that, that soil to seed contact, that sowing depth? Yeah, I think I think it's important to get be at that depth. Um, some of the when, when you're cultivating at that time of the year, um, it, it's very difficult to get a, a good seed bed, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be a quite loose. It can be a little bit rougher. So just getting at that little extra depth just helps with the germination at that time of the year as well. Um, you, you sort of sort of a bit of a frost protection there as well. Just getting a little bit yeah. deeper and in some regions as well. So yeah. Um, Birds is definitely um, one very big issue that we have seen, but those those mm-hmm. other issues too need to be looked at when planting these crops. That's for sure. Yeah, because I know that's you know talking to some farmers, they said the idea sounds great, but sowing in the middle of winter is a challenge with it wet mud and all that sort of thing. So could we broadcast on? But I guess that answers why the the broadcasting isn't the ideal the ideal way. Um, target plant populations. What's the key there? Is that just the amount of seed you use or what else can you do to get that 300 plants per square metre that you were talking about? Yeah, so we think that having uh, plant populations of at least uh, 300 is ideal because essentially what Shane said earlier is that it creates that 
sort of a, a competition uh, between the plants. So there's enough plants there, they start to compete for nutrients and, and the likes against each other. So they, they form that uh, canopy quite early on. Um, and that's really uh, driving some higher rates of, of nitrogen uptake. Um, when we have seen in some, some trial work, some early trial work that we ran last year, um, that even going going higher than that can um, can drive higher nitrogen up rate, um, uptake rates even earlier. And so that's just because um, um, we've got more plants in the ground, we're capturing a little bit more light, and that is driving um, higher rates of nitrogen uptake. Um, and so, yeah, it's, so it's I guess the key, and and in that trial, we actually had a pretty low population treatment as well. You can just see that those individual plants weren't really moving as fast as those that were, you know, uh, within that that uh, high population, if you like. So it just indicated that that they um, were sort of under under uh, performing. They were they kind of had a, a lazy aspect uh, yep. sort of to them, if you like. So obviously you're so in depth, your sort of seed contact that we've just talked about is important for getting good establishment, getting that, that number of plants, but is is the other key to it, is it actually, or what is it, is it sowing enough seed or what's the, or is establishment, I mean what rates are you talking about sowing here or are you talking about chucking more seed in to get that, 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 that number of plants or is it just making sure what you do sow you get good establishment from? Yeah, I guess, Aaron, the, the, the critical thing here too is also making sure you're using good viable seed as well. Um, okay. So um, you, you need good germinated seed, for this, for the, especially for this idea as well. And um, the establishment is, is very critical. We're, we're aiming most good good seed lines. We're looking at about 110 kgs per hectare to get up around mm -hmm. that 300 plants per metre squared. So um, that, that's what we see as critical. Um, yeah. We have seen in the odd cases where... Um, non-certified seed has been used and um, very, very poor establishment, um, especially for that time of the year. So, you know, to, to do this properly, you have to, you know, do it correctly. And, I mean, we've we've always looked at gross margins with the projects that, that Brennan's run um, in this space. And, um, you know, the seed cost is is probably the biggest part of it, which is really isn't much. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a making sure it's done properly. Yep. Also, so sorry, just to add to that. So um, obviously, most of our work has probably well has been done in Canterbury, but we have done some in Southland as well. Um, and so when we target 300 plants per square metre in Canterbury, we're getting pretty close to those targets. But it seems that uh, the further south we go, when we get into um, uh, the colder and, and, and more wetter environments like Southland, um, we're getting about half the amount of those seeds come through. So there's potential to really start to bump those. Um, uh, seeding rates up a bit in those really cold and, and wet mm -hmm. uh, climates like Southland. But it, certainly that's an area that we would like to um, investigate a bit more through um, some experiments. Okay, so like uh, just to drill into that, with uh, the 110 kilos or thereabouts, are you still only getting 150, 200 plants per square metre? Is that what you're saying? You, you weren't getting the 300? No, so in, in Canterbury we've been getting um, between, well, up to about, uh, 250 to, to 300. I mean, it, it, it certainly varies. It depends on the year and the season. But as a general rule, down in Southland, we've been getting about half what we um, are targeting. Mm -hmm. um, so in this earlier trial work that, that I mentioned, there's there's room to even um, improve things by by um, by by seeding it at uh, some higher rates, if you like. Yeah. So I think last time we talked, Brendan, that was um, just before you'd started some of this work and. In Southland, and that was probably the question we got. Okay, in Canary, it works. What about once yep. you get further south, south of the 45th parallel? So, 
what you've done a couple of winters now in Southland. What have you? What's the obviously one there around your, your germination rate and your plants? But what else have you found? I mean, does it still work in Southland? Is it worthwhile doing? Yeah. So yeah, no, you're right. We've been doing it for for two years now. Um, we have convert, we've compared some soil types down there, but also um, some some methods of um, establishment. And certainly, if we go with uh, the conventional way of trying to sow the crop, whether it be through light cultivation and then drilling, then we're really not able to get onto the ground until uh, September. Um, mm. But we've been able to get on a lot earlier, actually, in this this project with a machine, which is what we're calling a, a spader drill. It's basically a, a one-pass machine. Um, it has a spader. Um, so it does a, a cultivation and then it drills it all in one pass. Um, and because this machine runs off uh, the PTO, it's, it's basically uh, driving the whole unit forward. So the tractor's not having to, to, to drag the implement mm. through the soil, if you like. So that, that's enabling us and the farmers to get on the paddocks much earlier than what they can with more conventional means. So we've been able to get on these paddocks down in Southland in, in uh, July and, and August um, or even earlier. So you only need a really small window of opportunity to, to, uh, to get on and, and sow the crop with this technology. So it really has some... Um, Real, real potential, and in terms yeah. of of what it is picking up out of the ground and, and yielding, um, it's it is uh, chalk and cheese really. So we're seeing a lot more nitrogen being picked up in the crop with the the spader drill, primarily because we're getting on a lot earlier, um, but also we're 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 getting about twice the yields with the with this machine than what we um, can when we have to wait, and so. Through through more uh, conventional means. So, um, like last year's trial, um, well, we had uh, two trial sites last year. We had about uh, nine, eight to nine uh, ton of dry matter per hectare mm-hmm. with the spader machine, and about four and a half to five, um, where we had to delay until I think it was about uh, September, until we could could get on. So, yeah, it is it is a bit of a a game changer in some ways for the region down there. Yeah, I mean, so I'm not sure. This has always caught a few people's attention when we've talked about the spader drill. Um, broadly, mechanically, it works. It's not an ideal analogy, but a bit like a rotary hoe, and it's the PTO driving rotational cultivation yep. gear at the back. Is that right? That's sort of. Yep. Are, that's there, right. are there many of them around? I mean, if people want to use them, are they accessible or are they just uh, only available experimentally? Well. Well, there are uh, spaders around, but um, this is the only one in the country where there's um, the spader with the drill attached uh, to the back of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, but it, it does it does um, it's not as intensive as as a rotary hoe. So mm-hmm. having spades, it's actually bringing up quite large uh, chunks of um, of soil and allowing the soil to break up uh, more naturally. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the key. We've done some soil physical measurements in some of our trials because that was the first uh, concern that I had um, because obviously we're cultivating wet soil, which kind of goes against all of our our principles. But um, from what we have seen, uh, there's no adverse impacts on the soil physical uh, properties compared to more Uh conventional uh, methods when we uh, delay and and cultivate um, a slightly drier soil. Um, and it's probably because of the fact that we're actually just getting the crop in the ground early. So we're getting some roots yeah. developing. Um, and so obviously there's a whole lot of, of benefits uh, there. And it's only one pass. So um, with the more conventional means, you know, some farmers are having to, you know, sort of pass over their, their land 
about three or four uh, times mm. to, to break up the soil, whereas this machine is doing it all at once. So so there's only that uh, single pass. So, yeah. yeah. And and we'll, we'll, I'll try and find a link and put it in the blurb, but, I mean, SPADER, that's literally what it means. It's, that's how it's spelled, S-P-A-D-E-R. It's the, the, the implement teeth are like we spades, basically. Is that? It, that's right, exactly. Yep, so it's um, sort of digging and turning over the earth versus that hoeing, yep. hoeing motion type. Yep. Yeah, so it is, it is essentially mixing the top um, sort of like 25 uh, centimetres of, of soil, really. And you still need a fairly large tractor, I understand, but it is, as you say, pushed along by the, the action of the spades, the PTO, so you're not actually getting wheel slippage and soil damage that way, even though you've got a pretty big tractor on wet ground. Is that how it works? Yeah, that's right. And I think that the, uh, the hardest part for the tractor is to actually um, turn the machine around at the end of the, <laughs> of the run. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I, so, I Aaron, uh, yeah sorry, Aaron, I, I guess the, yeah, the, the big thing with the spader is, is, is pretty much for the whole crab cro catch crops, uh, uh, what we're trying to aim for is, is getting the crop in as quickly as possible once the cows are off the paddock um, to try yeah. and catch that nitrate as quickly as we can. And obviously in Southland, uh, conventionally it's not really an option. Um, and it was always going to be a struggle. And I remember when we first looked at the project down there, we were scratching our heads how we were actually going to get this to work. There's no <laughs> yep. doubt about it. But this technology was brought in because of this particular person very keen on being wanting to be involved mm -hmm. in this program. Um, and without him, uh, it could have fallen over pretty quickly in Southland. But it's been nothing but positive in terms of uh, how, the, how the catch crops have actually developed, especially in Southland, that's for sure. Yeah. Yep. So what, yep. what you're saying there, Shane, um, without the spader drill, well, maybe this is one the, the the catch crop concept doesn't work that well in South, and you just can't get on early enough. Yeah, I, I guess you know you look in nine and ten years, you probably yeah. have to use a spader. You might get away with yeah. one and ten years without it, sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely a win-win. Yep. Um, anything else? Like obviously, so you've gone south those two winters. Getting on early enough. Is there anything else with it being cooler, longer winters, all those sorts of things down there that were causing issues for the for the, I mean, your, your germination rate's not as high, but other than that, I, I, what sort of nitrogen uptake were you seeing? Did it, I mean, did it work in Southland, even with, with those, all those issues you've talked about? Yeah, so it, it, things are obviously a little slow to get going uh, compared to to, um, to regions like uh, Canterbury, etc. Uh, but, you know, we're still seeing some pretty significant amounts of nitrogen being taken up in the crop, so um, I think... Yeah, some of the numbers are between, say, like 60 and 80 uh, kgs of nitrogen per hectare mm -hmm. in the crop by uh, around the middle of spring, you know, sort of you know, when we're getting towards the end of that leaching period. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, it, it, it will vary um, uh, depending on the season and the amount and also the timing of rainfall. Um, but, I mean, like if you take uh, last season, for example, like a lot of farmers weren't able to get on there their ground until right at the end of the year so I think you know they were putting some of the winter forage crops in the ground in uh, you know December um, yep. and that's that's just because it, it was um, you know so wet so so it's quite likely there was leaching occurring uh, right through spring and in, into early parts of uh, the summertime so so um, having that catch crop in the in the ground you know in those months um, is likely to have had benefits yeah and that's one of the things you touch on slow germination, et cetera, and so our conventional eye, it might look like not much is happening, but you, even though getting it in early, even though it doesn't appear much is happening, there's a bit of germinating, it's still 
effective. People might put it in the ground, think it's not actually working, but that, that that's right. You don't need to see a massive green complete canopy cover early on. You just need the, the plants in there and, and germinating. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. Okay. Essentially, yeah. All right, the joys of technology. Shane's just actually dropped out, so we've still got Brendan here. We'll see if he comes back. So, Brendan, this question is obviously for you. Um, early establishment, get it in, even if it doesn't look like it's germinating a lot. But often one thing that will germinate is weeds. What's the issue with – what are the things to look out for weed control? What are the things to uh, take care of or deal with? Uh, yeah, so uh, the weeds are not so much of an issue when we um, are sowing these catch crops in, in winter. Uh, they're obviously pretty slow to emerge as well, and the oats are, are pretty vigorous at getting going. So so generally speaking, they do outcompete the weeds. So if if you can get that uh, canopy uh, closed um, you know, early on, then, then that will certainly um, help to, to control those weeds. But um, if if the weeds have sort of taken a hold on things then, then it's certainly advised to to knock them out and to give your your um uh, your catch crop really the best chance to um to establish and and develop that canopy yep. so probably just looking at what we've talked about the key things that the, the, the critical success are that right sowing the three centimeter depth good viable seed um and getting it in early enough um is there anything else that, that's critical or where you've seen crop failures that have been the, the obvious thing that people have have uh, not addressed or forgotten about? You know, we're talking about this attention to detail at the start. Is there anything else that's um, essential? Um, I think that mainly covers it, but yep. I, I guess what we haven't talked about is applying nitrogen uh, to these crops. So okay. obviously we're talking about, we're talking about trying to, to pick nitrogen up out of the ground, and that is really uh, um, our focus here. But as I said, when we're trying to get, you know, when we're getting outside of that leaching period, um, that's when the crops really start to take off, and they can show not um, show signs of nitrogen uh, deficiency. So it's at that point that we can actually um, you know, put some nitrogen on if it is required. Um, so like we can see growth rates up around or over over 200 uh, kgs of dry matter per hectare per day. Um, and it's it's during that period that um, that we may actually need to, to put some nitrogen on. Okay. Um, so so typically it might be only about 50 units of nitrogen per hectare, um, but that can really have um, a significant effect on the yields um, and and also the the, the quality of the crop. Um, yeah. But yes, but but it seems but in, uh, seems counterintuitive, but um, yeah, it makes sense when you explain it. Yeah. 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 I, I guess the key is is to not. To not be putting that on uh, too early. So, so any time from around October onwards uh, should be okay and, and not uh, compromise the environmental uh, performance of the crop. Well, I'm not sure. Shane, looks like you might be back with us. I am. Yep. Oh, I good. Am. Uh, Brendan answered the weed question. For those of you listening, we had a wee bit of technical issue, so Brendan went on and answered the weed question in your absence. But, And we're just talking sort of as we wrap up around the attention to detail is what both of you have sort of stressed, the key things. Um, viable seed, sow it well and sow it early. What else, um, in, in your experience with the crops, is the is the real key to, to getting those good yields, good establishment? Yeah, definitely just just general um, just just general care. I mean, obviously, Brendan's talked about the, the weed control and that sort of area. They're pretty simple to grow. Um, you don't have to put too many inputs in to get it to get a good yield and a good quality feed. Brendan's obviously mentioned about the nitrogen use. Um, that, that's that's 
that's critical depending on what the farmer's requirement is in terms of the quality of the feed. Um, and that's just making sure you're keeping a, an eye on the crop, um, overseeing it every now and again, just seeing the changes in, in, the, in the canopy of the, and whether or not nitrogen is going to be replied. Um, more often than not, it doesn't. But we are, do see in sort of the lighter soils are definitely with nitrogen uh, being less available, um, depending on how much rainfall the nitrogen may be needed to be replied. And, and um, Brennan's hit the nail on the hammer on the head there with absolutely putting it on around that October time, which um, most cereal guys are putting it on anyway for their, for their cereal crops too. So uh, once you get past that leaching period, that, that's the ideal time. But all in all, once the crop's established and up and going, they're, they're pretty low care for, for, yeah. for a green chop silage. And that's probably, that's a good segue. Thanks, Shane. Good segue into my last question when you mentioned cereals there in that, um, A, cereals are, are what you want to use for that sowing early, large seed, all those sorts of things, second nitrogen. But is oats just, is that all you've researched or is it that because oats is the best option for this? I mean, because there are other cereals, rye corn, uh, barley, triticale and things that people have used. Would they be as effective or is oats the, the gold standard? I, I guess, I mean, we have definitely looked at all the other cereals. Um, mm -hmm. There's no doubt, doubt about that. We've, we've, we've done that both in Canterbury and with some of them also in, in Southland as well. I mean, rye, rye corn's a good option too. Uh, rye corn's a good option if you're looking at a grazing option, uh, mm -hmm. a little bit earlier than green chop. Um, and there's no doubt about that. But um, for the green chop stage, oats has been the most consistent. We've had good results with triticale as well, absolutely. Um, wheat's also an option there. Um, we also looked at wheat as planting at that time of the year, winter wheat, and taking through to grain. So there's other options there as well, just not for green shop silage. Also whole crop cereal silage for most of these as well. Um, barley, uh, there's not really too many true winter barleys out there. They tend not to like it. Our experiences are very slow to establish. They don't like wet feed as much. Um, so we would tend to definitely... Uh, be more looking at the oats, the triticale sort of lines for the for the silage yep. area that we're looking at for the green chop. Which, if you get in early around that um, July, early August sowing date, you're looking at a mid-November harvest most of the time, mm -hmm. and that gives you options for following crops, which is ideal. Yep. 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 So the the choice of cereals more related to what you want to do with it and what you want to do with the paddock afterwards. Uh, by the sounds of that, is there any difference between the species uh, in terms of their nitrogen uptake, Brendan? Um, not a lot, to be fair. Um, down in those those colder environments, there's some indications that uh, the triticale or the rye corn crops um, are taking up slightly more nitrogen than mm -hmm. oats during, you know, during that, that key leaching period. But um, it, there's not a lot of difference, uh, to be honest. And um, okay. but and, and just in talking to farmers, and uh, the gen, you know the general rule is that oats tend to uh, perform more more consistently. Uh, yeah. than these other cereals. Um, but I, I guess the only other thing I'd add is that, yeah, last year and in some of our trials, we've been adding some uh, some uh, uh, ryegrass, some mm -hmm. Italian ryegrass into the mix, um, and um, that just gives us the option of um, of taking a cut in the springtime and then getting the regrowth from uh, the ryegrass. Um, so, yeah, just, it just depends on... Um, but, uh, sorry, there is some, some compensation or, you know, some uh, yield losses with having... The Italian mm -hmm. in there, but um, but again, it's quite a, a suitable option um, yeah, for farmers. Yeah, depending on how it fits into the farm system, but it wouldn't have any right. any negative impact on the primary purpose, which is the using up the, the nitrogen in the soil. No, that's right. Yep. 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 
Oh, no, it's good to know. People knowing farmers, they're always going to experiment and want to try a few things or ask the what about questions. So, hey, look, um, it was intended as a bit of an update because we do go into this in quite a lot of depth in the podcast I mentioned a couple of years ago with with Brendan. So I encourage you to go and have a look at that. But uh, Shane, Brendan, is there anything you wanted to cover off in this sort of update that we haven't talked about? Obviously, the interesting thing for us was how well it would work in Southland. And um, yeah. we were definitely going to be looking at challenges, but the spader drill definitely given us the option. Brilliant. All right, I suspect we're going to be revisiting this in another year or two as well. But in the meantime, if people want to actually read a bit further or look about, where's some good places to get some of the the published um, information, either the the fact sheets or that sort of thing, Brendan? There's a few floating around. Yep, so we did put some guidelines together um, as part of the Forages for Reduced Nitrate Leaching Program, and they sit essentially on the Dairy NZ website or the, or the FAR website, so they can go there. Um, yeah, we've written a, a few papers um, on some of the results of our trials. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, so other listeners are, are welcome to get in, in contact with us if they want to see those papers. Um, but yeah, um, uh, and we'll. I think I know where the Dairy NZ material is. I'll dig that up and have the link in the the blurb to this podcast as well. But unless there's anything absolutely pressing, gentlemen, I think we might wrap it up there. That's been a good revisit and a good addition to the. Initial podcast, so doesn't sound like there is. So, no, good as go. Hey, look, thanks, Brendan Malcolm, soil and crop scientist, and Shane Maley, research associate at Plant Food. Thanks for coming along. Um, this just came up as we were reviewing another bit of material, and another scientist said actually there might be a bit of update on the catch crop stuff. So I thought, right, we'll get into that early. So before we head into the winter grazing, people have got it there to have a think about and get ready for their catch crops this winter. So thanks, gentlemen, for coming on the call, and we we may be talking to you in a, in a couple of years' time. Sounds good. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks, Aaron. Cheers. Thanks, Shane.